Hey everyone, welcome back to another week of the Three Things Podcast. Very excited. Awesome guest today, Steve Leo, the master Yoda of the Parisi Speed School, one of my longest mentors, a guy that has always shown me the right way to conduct myself as a coach, as a professional, um, and now as a parent, someone that I've had the pleasure of learning from over the last 10 plus years. Um, He's joining for round two. It's way overdue. I know that. You guys don't have to yell at me. I can hear you literally yelling into your phone, car, whatever you're listening to this podcast on. He's back. We need to have him as a reoccurring guest more, so I'm going to make sure that I have a regularly scheduled Steve time. You guys will understand once you listen to this conversation. Steve is incredibly intelligent, a guy that gets it, and I really think you're going to enjoy some of the nuggets that he drops throughout this conversation. So without further ado, here is Steve Leo. We're back. It's another episode of the pandemic three things. Um, I shouldn't joke and call it that because it's been, what did we just see four months since the last podcast episode has gone up, but uh, super pumped to be joined by Steve Leo. I might butcher some of these titles, Steve, so you can correct me afterward, but we have the director of education for the Parisi Speed School, the master Yoda of the Parisi Speed School, so to speak. So if you can correct the title, the master Yoda title stays. Um, We have like one of the first ever like Parisi coaches in the history of the Parisi Speed School, which has been around for 25 plus years, almost, I think, 30 years now, or if not very close. close. To, yeah. yep. um, the head track coach at St. Gil Bernard's Prep School. Did I get right. that order right? Yep. Just flip it, Gil St. Okay. Bernard's. St. Gil, okay, in and Northern funky Jersey. Funky name. We have a master trainer for the Vertimax, um, like, like the product, the Vertimax. Like we have the, one of the master trainers for their curriculum as well. Um, the dude that wrote the test for the Parisi Speed School. This is unreal. Steve Leo, how the hell are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's about time we got it back together and uh, looking forward to uh, the podcast again. I told you, I've been listening to all your other ones. So they've been great and really, really enjoyed them. I definitely messed up because I think this is only round two with you and I. And I really, I don't, I, that's a fuck up on my part. I should not, that's, <laughs> I take full credit for that. It should that's not, like, a, like I told you, it shouldn't take a pandemic for me to get you back on the pod. Um, super pumped that you're on here tonight. Um, before we get started, if you haven't listened to the first round of Steve Leo, it was probably one of the most intellectual podcasts that I've done. Um, Steve's incredibly intelligent. Um, despite what he might tell you, I'll tell you he's incredibly intelligent. And we had a great conversation. I believe we talked a little bit about speed. We talked a little bit about just training and business ownership. We'll probably follow a little bit of those same lines, but probably not as much of those same lines tonight. Um, but Steve, for those that maybe are just tuning in for the first time, you want to give a little bit of background as to who you are, what you do, where you do it, and why? Yeah, so I mean, Casey gave me a great intro. So I've been training for 20-some years now. Um, started out as a personal trainer, like most people, I think, in this industry. Worked in a gold's gym, believe it or not. And then uh, kind of worked my way up. I started working with Bill a few years later. Uh, was coaching a bunch of different travel teams. And just really fell in love with working with athletes. So been doing that for a while. I ran a couple of the pre facilities, ran the biggest one for a little while, opened my own up about seven, eight years ago. And uh, we just recently moved about a year ago and been enjoying doing that. And then three years ago, got uh, picked up by Gil St. Bernard's, the school you just spoke about, um, as a strength coach, just started doing that for the first year. And then in 
about halfway through the year, I started teaching some classes and it's kind of morphed into now I'm the uh, strength conditioning coach for the whole school. So I work with uh, lower school athletes, which are, you know, little kids. I even work with kindergartners on a day. Um, all the way through middle school, I worked with all the sports teams. And then after school, I worked with all the uh, high school teams. And then I was helping with the track team the last two years. And um, through a couple different situations, just wound up being named the head track coach. And, and unfortunately, it's not looking good for this season because of the uh, pandemic that's going on. But uh, yeah, I've been doing that for a while. Coached the youth track team for a while with my daughters. Um, so yeah, busy guy, but I love doing it. I just love working with kids. So anytime I can get a chance to work with kids and athletics and I like movement more than um, most because it's funny I'm a strength coach but believe it or not strength training is not what I'm most excited about I'm more excited about movement I just love watching kids move on a field or a court or a track and that's where my mind always goes oh how can I make that better you know I'm less concerned about you know the squat or the deadlift or or, I mean to me that stuff no offense to strength coaches I think it's easy to do with most youth athletes that you work with um, I think the speed and, and getting everything to transfer from the weight room is, is what's more challenging. And that's what I'm still trying to find the right, you know, the right potion for it. But, you know, I'm getting there. And for those that have maybe not listened to the first episode that Steve was on, definitely listen to that after this one. You don't need to listen to them in consecutive orders. This isn't Star Wars. We don't need to, like, watch the prequels before everything else to understand the storyline. <laughs> but um, like I said, Steve is incredibly intelligent. If you ever get a chance to attend a seminar that he's speaking at, um, which I think he left out some of the things that he's spoken for, um, you definitely need to. And I might be a little biased because he's been like a, a primary educator in, in my growth as a coach, as well as the staff that I have. Um, shout out to hopefully the fall of this year where Steve will be coming up and doing uh, our coaching certification again. I've already put that request in with everyone. Um, but yeah, um, the Three Things Podcast is based off the three questions I'm going to ask Steve. He has no clue what I'm going to ask him, which makes this really fun for me and, and kind of nerve-wracking for the guest. But um, I think it's it just kind of – actually, I have four things here, Steve. So you're kind of – you get like the secret like – You get the bonus question? Yeah, like the bonus question that people are like, there's no three things. It's supposed to be three things. Your okay. podcast is supposed to be shorter than this. Um, <laughs> shout out to social media where people just light you up. But um, – yeah, so that's going to be the pod that we're going to do tonight. Um, Steve, are you ready for the first thing? I'm ready. Bring it. <clears throat> okay, so here's what we got. And, and you kind of alluded how you just started up with the prep school. Um, and I'm wondering, like, how has that transition been from going from a commercial gym and one that you own where you kind of get to dictate the culture to going to a school where, I mean, it's just a different setting. Like, yeah. You know, like, how has that transition been? What were some things that you were mindful of? And what were some things that surprisingly maybe stayed the same between, like, your gym that you kind of grew up in and, and that you get to control over the, the school? It was definitely interesting. You know, it was not something I ever planned on doing. It kind of came out of the blue. And um, when I got to the school, number one, I was, I'm so impressed with the school. I mean, so much that my daughter is there now in, in eighth grade and is going to attend high school there. So from an academic side, that's what really drew me and the culture of the academics and, and really the way the kids are, you know, how mature they are and, and, and all of that type of stuff really blew me away. But what I had to get used to was I didn't have as much control as I thought I would because, you know, the kids are busy, right? They have school, then they would come to the weight room and I was, I had the whole schedule set up, you know, I had the basketball team at this hour and I got the lacrosse team here and the baseball team here. Well, that's not how it works. I thought I was going to be able to run it like a t- typical strength conditioning room. 
but because it's such a high academic school and kids have, you know, tutors and SAT prep and all that, I had to change my format where I would have in there at any given time, five or six different sports of kids. You know, so I could have three lacrosse players, two baseball players, four softball, three basketball, two soccer. Um, so that really was, was a switch for me because I'm so used to, and I know you are taking a kid and walking him through the steps. Okay. This is how you squat. This is how you deadlift. And here's, you know, the progression I want you to work through. Well, I had kids in all different programs and shout out to train heroic. Thank God I brought that app into the school that helped me manage all of the different teams. Um, and that, and that what was great. And really what, what has been great for me, what I've liked is I get to work with kids now nine months a year, which in our facilities, we don't always get to do that. And I get to have them, you know, four some five, times five days a week. So that was definitely a big switch. My mindset had to change a little because, you know, when you're facility, sometimes you almost, I don't want to say rush, but you're so worried about I got to get all these things in because this kid's only coming in two days. Whereas at the school, I could really space it out and put a, a long, you know, long-term athletic plan together for the kids. Um, you know, working off of the schedules, definitely. But um, that's been really the biggest change. And culturally, for them at the school, and I think they'll probably admit it, is they didn't really have a true, true strength program. They built a weight room. They had a strength coach, and I think for a year or two, and I, thought, I heard he was a nice guy and whatever, but I think he was more of a personal trainer, so he's more focused on like a one-on-one. And I think I came in, and I might have shocked them a little too because I'm a little different. You know, I'm a little much louder and, you know, more intensity as far as just getting better as, as athletes. So it's been a kind of a nice marriage. You know, like I said, it was different in the beginning. Um, I think some of those coaches didn't know how to take me, and I think I had to earn my respect or their respect, I should say at the school, which is kind of funny because I, you know, I feel like at least in our industry and you know, people like you, I think we're respectful of each other and know what we can do. But at the school, you know, I had proved myself to, uh, you know, soccer coaches and basketball coaches and, you know, eat a little humble pie and just you know, work my way through. And I think now I've, I've gained their trust. Um, and it's been great. You know, it's been a great relationship. I love the school, I love the kids. And, you know, I have a different relationship with them probably than most kids I've trained over the years. I've had, you know, you have privates that you train forever, but sometimes uh, you don't see them after a few months these kids up. I'm seeing kids for years and years. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's crazy. You just like listed like literally all the pros and cons pros. You see kids nine months of the year, you get to take a long-term approach. Like you're going to have them year after year after year after year, um, at least until they graduate. And then the cons is like, well, like the softball coach doesn't give a shit and you, like they're almost like a threat, you know? And I don't know, like we have, we just actually wrapped up with like a private contract we had with a local college here. They just hired their first strength coach. And like, that was like, I think I went through almost the same thing you did where I was like, yeah, cool. You guys have a strength coach now. And then like the swim and dive coach is like, no, 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 no. This is how we've been training. And you're like, wait, what? Like, oh yeah. I definitely dealt with a, a little bit of that. I mean, to their credit, most of the coaches have been great and have definitely embraced it. Listen, some haven't. And I think that's just par for the course. You know I mean? Um, I'm definitely uh, chopping away as they say, right? I'm making the little, little, little headways each year. And I think what's happening, kids are seeing results. Um, I have a good relationship with our ATC. We have phenomenal ATC at the school. This guy, I'm talking about a smart guy. This guy's kind of off the charts and uh, he and I work very well together and, you know, getting his respect and he's pushing kids to work out with me and he's seeing it. I think he said it, you know, reduction in injuries. You know, just as I just see less soft tissue injuries and things like that. So that makes me happy as well, too. Because, I mean, listen, we are prep school. We're competitive in some sports. Some sports, you know, maybe not as much as you'd like to be. So we're just trying to make this a good experience for kids as well. You know, I think everyone's so focused on, you know, championships and scholarships. But, you know, we have, I think, four, four or five kids this year committed to D1. 
and that's not bad. The school's only got 300 and I think 60 kids, something like that for the high school. So they might have 10 kids going to college and play sports, which is pretty good. And five are D1. And that's impressive. It'd be a really interesting poll question to ask kids is, would you take, you know, three injuries over your four years in high school um, and, a, and the opportunity to choose D1? I will not say like, you're going to go D1 and get a four ride, but yeah. the opportunity to have D1 on the table, or would you take four years relatively injury free and, and know that you're going to get a full four years on the field, which would you pick? Like, that would be a really interesting yeah. question to have with kids. You know, like I know what I would pick. I would pick the four, four, like four years injury free because you can do so much with that and still maybe have the opportunity at the end of four years to play division one, but you don't really know. So you're kind of picking like higher potential or are you picking longevity and injury free and, and yeah, better yeah. athletic development as a part of that? It'd be really interesting to ask. I think it's the experience, you know, this is what I've been trying to get across. I have friends, you know, my daughter's going into high school and I have a lot of friends who are all around the same age. And, you know, a lot of them have been really focused on, doing whatever at the next level and playing in college. And I think it's all great. I'm not discounting it, but the message I've gotten across to a few of them is like, listen, just enjoy the progress, you know, enjoy, enjoy those little successes that they have. You know, everything's, there's always a finality now to everything. You know, like kids playing a tournament. Oh, we lost a tournament. It's like, well, you played five games. That's awesome. You won three, you lost two. Okay. Great experience. You had fun, fun with your friends or you went to a track meet and your PR. Like I think, we've lost track of a lot of that stuff. No pun intended. Like we've just lost focus and we're so focused on other things. I'm like, man, take a step back for a minute and look at everything that's happening. You know, this year, my daughter, you know, didn't get to play a lot of basketball the last couple of years, played on a couple of travel teams, played on the middle school team. And they wound up winning like this little mini championship tournament thing. And, you know, I didn't even care about that. I was just happy to see her play. And she scored like, I think, I don't know if she led the team in scoring or she was second in the team in scoring in the, in the championship game. To me, that was the best part of the whole year. So I think we, we could probably do we could probably do a podcast on on like things that we would like to see in sports. And that might be maybe yeah. when we do like the Parisi roundtable, we'll we'll do that. We'll talk about that. Um, I'd be really interesting to see where Chad Coy takes that answer. Um, but I <laughs> yeah. think that's actually a really good transition here um, to the second thing that I've got. And I actually have like look at Steve, look at look at look at bad oh, podcasts. I actually have like the questions like pre-written people. Like right. I'm not just right. like I'm some of these I'm like I'll come right up and be like listen I have nothing written down. We're just gonna we're just gonna riff this. I actually got a little bit of traction here with Steve. Um, what like so what are you focusing on right now in speed training? Like you said in your introduction like you really like to focus on the movement behind it. Um, and whether this is something you're maybe taking to the track team that you're coaching or just the athletes that are playing different sports that you're coaching, like what are you really focusing on in, in speed and movement training? However you want to phrase it. Like I know. Yeah. Like, it's, that's, it it's interesting you say that because I think it's funny when I first started out, you know, we watched a lot of videos and we did a lot of, um, you know, movement and drills and stuff like that. And then it's definitely morphed into obviously using strength training. And now I think it's just like, excuse me, let's do a bazillion drills. I see a million people putting drills online and I think it's great. But excuse me, what I'm really trying to focus on now is how are we maximizing those different movement patterns and whatever drills I like to use or other people like to use to get there. I don't think it really matters as long as you're getting the end outcome. I mean, I'm much more based upon using more of a track and field approach and then morphing it down. Um, I definitely like to use a lot of stuff from, uh, you know, Dan Path and Altus and, stuff from Franz Bosch and I've really kind of used a lot of what they do and, and watered it down and really I'm a big proponent of breaking down marching and skipping I just think if you understand what those drills are really meant to do 
there's infinite ways you can use them. And, and what's nice is the drill will give the kid the feedback. And I think what happens is we're so focused on the drill and the end result of the drill, like how fast they go around the cones or um, what was their time around them. And what I want the drill to do is give the kid feedback on what they're feeling. You know, do you feel your posture? Do you feel yourself extending at your hip? Is your ankle stiff? Is your foot stiff at contact? And those drills allow you to slow it down and feel that. So then when I go make them do a 20-yard sprint or a fly sprint or whatever it might be, they understand that a little bit better. And, and, and really, that's what I've you know, focused on the most. And then adding in other resistances. And it's funny, I've gone back and forth with like, should you overload too much? Should you give them a light resistance? And I'm kind of falling back into the middle with it. Um, that's why I really love the Vertimax because you can load them just enough so they feel it. And I've been using it almost as a diagnostic tool. So doing, I have them do marching and skipping movements with a Vertimax at different points on their body, sometimes around their waist, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll attach it to their hands or their thighs, just so they can feel something different and understand, okay, well, that doesn't feel right from when I did the regular skipping or marching before. Now I can auto-correct it. So that's kind of how I've been morphing it. And some people say, well, you don't need to overload them. And it's, and it's not necessarily to make them faster at that point. I think we miss the boat. We think that every drill makes you faster. The drill is not the skill. The drill is to elicit a response. So I'm trying to get responses out of this. And it's really my coaching eye to see what I see. And the big thing too is I'm learning to talk less. Just let the drill help them correct. And if it's not working and I'm not stimulating the right way, then I pick a different one. So hope that answers it. I think that's going to actually be the title of this podcast. The drill elicits the response. Like that's, that makes, I mean, so and I have the, like I said, I have the privilege of learning from you. God, I think you've done our last like two continuing educations here in Vermont. Um, and then obviously had the pleasure of coaching alongside of you as a, as a master trainer with Parisi for um, years and, and just kind of like, like, God, like listening to you and picking your brain on these different things and listening to all the educational content you put out. And like, like I hear that and it makes perfect sense. Like the drill isn't the point. Like the point isn't just to give a kid nine drills to do in 30 minutes. Like if you do two drills in 30 minutes, you could even argue that you're like, like maybe messing that up. Like if you don't, if you did one thing in 20 minutes with a kid, like you're probably getting the feedback you need. And I think a lot of trainers, coaches, regardless if it's strength, if it's speed, if it's movement, if it's mobility, like whatever the hell you think you are like title wise in the industry to be able to understand the concept of, of driving an outcome with a person, whether it be athletic, general population, whatever it might be. Like, that's the point of what we do. Like, and it's funny you said, like you talk less, like you talk less, like people might think that that's coaching less, but it's like that you're coaching better because you're allowing the, the person to figure it out on their own. And I feel like people might feel threatened with that in the industry, but I'm really glad that you shared that kind of like progression for you. And like, maybe, maybe you could touch a little bit, Steve, like this is a follow-up question. This is not the third thing. Um, this is the follow-up question to thing number two. Maybe you could kind of touch a little bit on like how that process kind of was created for you as far as like, maybe like as a, as a, your, your career path has kind of taken you or like your educational background has taken you, like how have you kind of come to that realization and, and like, what was that like for you? I mean, it's, listen, everyone, if you've gotten into speed training, right, you've learned skipping movements, right? And we've all done them, but I don't think anyone really understood what they were for. I mean, not, not anyone, but I think a lot of people just, I think a lot of people look at it as check boxes. I skipped, I shuffled, I karaoke, blah, blah, blah. Whereas 
just a lot of the track background stuff that I've been doing, um, you know, going to obviously different seminars with like Vern Gambetta and Franz Bosch and Dan Paff. I mean, I've been really, I want to say lucky, but I've, I've seized the opportunity to go to all of these. And it's funny, they bring it all back to what we've been doing. But I understand skipping and marching more now than I ever did 20 years ago. Before I was like, hey, go skip, go do a power skip, go do a side skip. And I didn't know what to look for. Now I know what to look for as far as where they're striking, you know, how that's affecting their posture, how that affects their, their hips and their co-contraction at the hips. Like all of those little things that, again, I get nerdy with um, and I got to watch because I'm dealing with young kids. So I try to balance it. But it's really come from that track background. Again, I'm not a, a track guy by nature. And I ran a little bit of track um, back in the day in, in middle school and high school. But I wasn't, you know, wasn't a track guy. I played baseball and football, too. And I wrestled. But you know, I always had an affinity for running. Um, and now I just understand it better. Now I have my level two uh, track, you know, USA track and field. I've been coaching for a while. And, but just watching kids run and seeing how that, those things can affect it. Um, I think is huge. And I think that's what, if any, any speed coach out there is, is getting excited about, get excited about that stuff, you know, not giving them 10 drills. And here's the other thing. Don't worry about mastering the drill. I think that's where we get caught up. We're so worried about mastering this different cone drill, like jump over hurdle, go sideways, plant, cut, boom, boom, boom. And the kids get good. It's a dance pattern. That's what you're teaching them. They learn that pattern. How are they going to be when you drop them on a field? If I throw a ball at them, can they react? Can they cut sideways? Can they move and they shift their weight? That's what sports are. And the other thing, too, is when you're giving them the drills, they should be failing. And I think as coaches, we can't accept them failing. You should be failing 20, 25% of the time in, in, in the session if you're not, not stimulating them the right way. I think that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. I, that Again, like when you hear it, like I'm hearing, like listening to you literally like say this, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And then I kind of like equate the other picture of like when I'm in a session and I have like you know, eight to 10 kids in front of me and they're like messing up. And I'm like, no guys, this is like when you should be making the mistake. Like, I think it's important from a coaching standpoint too. Like you're saying like to let someone make a mistake in a controlled learning environment so that they're not making that mistake in a competitive high risk athletic environment and competition and like understanding your role as a, as a coach too, I think is a huge part versus like, like, I mean, you are taking them into like a meet where it's like everything's on the line, so to speak. Whereas like, I'm, I'm not, but that's, um, I think that's a good point. Like you just, I mean, if you're like a speed coach, if you're a movement coach, if you work with kids, if you work with anyone on as, like, as far as like athletic performance goes, rewind the last 15 minutes of this podcast and listen to what Steve just said, like on half speed, because it's, it's super valuable. And like I said, Steve is, like I said, like one of the best in, in what he's doing. He won't tell you that. I'll tell you that. And his resume will tell you that. But Steve won't tell you that. The modest motherfucker. <laughs> that might be the first motherfucker I've dropped on this podcast. There you go. That's right. We're I'm like, sep- we're going to be like 70 episodes in. That might be the first one I've dropped. Um, so Steve, and like, and this is something that I've, I've gone through with you as far as like when we were looking at like Train Heroic and all these other different like softwares and, and you have had the blessing and the curse of probably vetting everything like yeah, for whether it be your more. own facility, you've yep. like, you've like just longevity in this industry, you've probably seen like everything. Um, and I'm sure you, we could do a whole other podcast on that, but what is your process? Like when something comes to market, something comes across your desk, someone slides into your inbox with this, this product, like what's kind of your initial vetting process to being like, one, is this 
actually legit? Two, is this actually useful? And then three, how you qualify it um, as someone who works with specifically young athletes? Yeah, it's a good question. Obviously, we're all getting hit up all the time with different products. And, um, you know, a lot of people do a great job getting them out there. I think what I look at is number one, I would start with, is it going to be applicable or can I use it in my facility with my set of athletes? You know, I think there's so many great products that are coming out that are so high level that really don't fit into our facility. They're not, I, I would never say they're bad. You know, when a pro team gets it, that's the first red flag. I'm like, well, we're not a pro team. You know, I'm dealing with 12, 13, 14 year olds. Um, and I don't have the, the, the opportunity to work with them every single day in a controlled setting. I might see them two days a week. So that's one. I said, can I use it? Number two, really from a private facility standpoint, can we afford it? Because some of this, this stuff is, I mean, I look at it I'm like, wow, that's amazing. What's the price tag? And I look at it and I see thousands. So I'm like, well, that's out because <laughs> you know, most people aren't buying those. Um, and then, you know, really just doing a little bit of research. I try to, you know, speak to whoever the rep is on the phone or get a demo or a webinar. Or, hey, listen, sometimes I try to get a free product out of it as well to, to test it out. Um, also my staff, I have them use it and get their, you know, to get their feedback. I mean, you know, me pretty well. I'm not, someone who operates in a vacuum. I don't, I don't believe in that. You know, my mind works one way, but everybody else has different ideas. So, you know, a lot of the people that have worked with me and stuff, I, I kind of get their opinions like, Hey, how, how would you use this? What do you think of this? And like we were doing a software, you know, Vic, John Novak and Vicky Zilkowski, who you know, well, who are up at workhorse up in uh, Sussex County now, New Jersey, you know, they really helped me a lot too. Cause we bounced a lot of stuff off each other. Like, Hey, how would you use this? How would you use that? And what did you like? And things that I didn't think about, you know? So, I think it's important to bring new things to your facility because there is a little bit of a wow factor and the kids get excited about it. And if you can find new things that help you, I'm always all for it. But I think sometimes we, we go a little crazy, you know, and I've bought things that I've never should have bought. They sit in there, collect dust. Um, it's kind of like someone who has a treadmill in the bedroom that they never use. I have stuff like that at my facility too. Um, but I definitely have cut it down and I think you've just got to be careful. There's a lot of products out there now and, and, and some of them, you know, they have good intentions. Some may not. So. I like what you've, the first point, I totally would not ever, never have thought of that. If a pro team is using it, it's a red flag for you. Like I would have, I like, it's almost in my brain, even then I'm like, listen, you said, I'm like, really like a pro team. And then you bring it back. You're like, yeah, like they're professional athletes that get to use it every single day, you know, 12 months a year if they want access to it, if they live in that area in the off season. And we're talking about 12 year olds that are going to go and play two sports a year and maybe train in your facility three months out of the year. Are they ever going to get to the developmental point where they can use it? Um, no, but that's you know, the thing. You know, it's I, I, huge. And the thing too, is they're not going to get, they're not bodies aren't built to get the benefit from that product. That's a, the product's bad. It just, it may not have the right fitting for them, you know, and, I don't know. I think a lot of people have just gotten crazy with it. You know, I use stuff with kids. I definitely use like Vertimax is definitely like a cool piece. I use a lot and Woodway and things like that. But there's times I put kids on it and I'm like, Oh no, that was bad. That didn't go too well. You know, I mean, we've all been there. We've all that. been there. We've all yeah. been there. But too, with like, with like, those are self-limiting too. So like, even if you put a kid on like a Woodway and they're not physically like strong enough to maintain yeah, positions or whatever. Yeah. Like they're not going to hurt themselves. And I think that's another like piece that, coaches should appreciate like with technology or different implements like is it self-limiting like if i put too much weight on a prowler and a kid just ends up like yeah. pushing it like is it the worst thing in the world when the worst no, thing I is agree. them hurting themselves like it could be a lot worse but that's something like we've gone through our facility in the last two years and we we're just getting rid of stuff 
like we're just straight up like donating things to high schools being like, we don't want this anymore because we either can't use it in a group setting or we don't have kids that are at a point, like you're saying, like they're just not physically able at their point in physical development to use it. So I think that's, it's interesting that the concept you just brought up. Yeah. We moved facilities. I got rid of a bunch of stuff. It was, it was like, you know, spring cleaning. All right, let's get rid of some of this stuff. And even at the prep school I'm at, you know, it's an unbelievable school. The campus, when you come one day, you have to see it. You know, it's a couple hundred acres. We have a farm. But the weight room is not that big. It's a couple thousand square feet. I, have, I now have four racks. I only had two when I first got there. I had no trap bars, one dumbbell set, and, and weights, and a bunch of hammer strength pieces. So I had to get creative and go back to my basics. Okay, how am I going to manage this with 25 kids in there with four racks, which is most of my days in there. Um, and we're wall-to-wall people, and kids can barely lift a barbell up. So – and here's, here's the bottom line. All the kids have gotten better. You know, they've all gotten stronger. You know, the lacrosse team who's been with me forever, you look at their numbers from September to, I mean, right before we left for a uh, break. I mean, it's insane what some of these numbers are putting up. I know the lacrosse coach is ecstatic. Um, you know, he was skeptical. Like, are they going to get better? I'm like, just, just be patient. And we just do a typical strength program. Bench and squat and deadlift and, you know, it's, you know, and there's a lot of stuff out there now. There's, you know, you got block programs you got triphasic and all that stuff's awesome i read it all and i just pull little things from it that i think that can work with a high school kid i i don't like getting married to one of those programs that's just the way i operate yeah and i think that that kind of is a good piece with with like with your vetting process kind of like put a bow on it is like you just said like you're not married to one thing you appreciate how every aspect whether it be programming technology a physical implement like it all has a purpose and if that purpose meets the the needs of the demographic you train if it meets the financial constraints of your business then yeah like that's that works and if it doesn't really check the boxes on on two or three of those like it's it's tough to justify yeah. um so that's a really good bow right there are you ready for the bonus let's go are you ready for the bonus fourth thing um what excites you right now in sports performance? I think just the opportunity now to work with kids that really want to get better. Um, and I, it's funny, I've seen more kids now lately that are probably not as high level as we would all think, because I think what's happening is there's kids in the middle that are being a little bit, I don't say ignored or left behind, but the high level kids are the high level kids. And they're so busy now with AAU and all these other things that they're gone. Like you don't get those kids because they might be doing the own in house stuff, but the middle of the road kid, the kid who's trying to make varsity or that kid who, you know, is a starter on varsity, but is trying to get a little better. I'm really excited about working with those kids. It's to my point earlier, because I just want to make that experience for them better, whether it be in high school or if they make a club team or anything like that. I don't want everything to, we're so worried about the ending. I'm like, guys, enjoy the journey while you're getting there. And if I can help these kids, you know, be a starter or make all conference or, or do whatever, that's really what excites me. I don't, you know, I've, you know, I've trained pro athletes, I've trained two Olympians and I, you know, I've done a lot of stuff. It's great stuff. And I have pictures up and it's cool, but I really just, real humble brag right yeah. there. I can't let you just get away with that real <laughs> humble brag. Um, well, you said I say something. So, but um, it's just been fun. You know, I, I just like working with those kids, you know, give me a 14 year old freshman that wants to get better and, I'm happy. You know what I mean? I just want a kid that wants to work hard. That, that's all I'm looking for. And maybe they're not ready to work hard yet. And if I can motivate them and kind of push them over that hump, that's really what excites me the most. And really, again, it's going back to the basics of taking what we do in the weight room and transferring that to the field and track. You know, I don't feel like the, the, the weight room is, is the end be all. And I also don't feel like the track and turf is the end all. It's how do we, you know, really marry the two. 
we'll we'll do a follow-up pod maybe we'll go real nerdy maybe we'll make it like the like the second ever critical conversations where we just like dive into like actual like training stuff um i just saw a bunch of lines on my side of the screen here so i don't know if i just glitched out but it's cool it's cool cool. the audio came in but we'll do another pod on that sometime maybe maybe that'll be our Maybe that'll be our virtual webinar that we do. There we go. We yeah, should do that. We'll do yeah, that. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, I think it's hard. I don't ever want to go too deep into something because that, that opens up a rabbit hole. And then I think there's a lot. And I'll rant, you know, like anybody. I any want other, it. I want coach, it. I want the rant. Out there, we'll rant. You know how it is. I um, want it. But, you know, I'm, I'm ranting because I want to help. That's what I always say. I'm not ranting because I want to pound my chest and mistakes like everybody else does. I made tons of them. But. I made a lot of kids better too. So something's got to be working, right? That's the point. That's the point. Yeah. So we're at the point now, the three things have concluded four things for you, Steve, cause you're extra special um, where we now go into the speed round. And I don't think the speed round was here during your first so. podcast. So the speed round, and if you've, if you're at this point, you've got all the intellectual knowledge you're going to get out of Steve Leo, cause I'm about to turn his brain into mush. Um, the speed round, these questions have nothing to do with anything. Um, they're completely random. They can be answered as long or as short as you'd like. Um, they are my favorite part of this podcast. We did the business. It's like the mullet. Like we did the business in the front. Now it's party in the back. Steve Leo, are you ready for your first speed round? Bring it. I would love for you. This has been my favorite question. I, I shout out to Mike Bronis, the Stoke Brogy. If you've listened to any of these podcasts, you know that I've asked this question a lot. Steve Leo, I want you to power rank your favorite Halloween candies. Halloween candies. Um... Everybody hates it, but I love candy corn. Um, I do I love it. I love it too. Uh, but one of my I mean, recent podcast guests just trashed it. Wow, non chocolate back to back non chocolate. I'm not a chocolate guy, and um, probably sweetest fish. I like all the chewy stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. I'm into wow. It. It's all that, yeah. Wow. So your girls are good on Halloween because they're coming home with chocolate bars, and you're looking at it with disgust. I don't really eat a lot of chocolate. Just never have. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm a weirdo. I'm a weirdo. Uh, well, what about if you power ranked your favorite Ben and Jerry's flavors? I don't know them too well, so I'll try to. You're so from Jersey. Oh, my God. I only You're know a few so of them. from Jersey. What's the, uh, what's the Jimmy Fallon one? He's got one, right? Oh, there's, um, yeah, it's Americone Dream and Tonight Dough. One, one That's of those. It. That's one it. Tonight to know. That's, That's a good one. There's some moose track. Is there a moose tracks one? Yeah, there's something like that. Sam meets that. Oh, she's a, my daughter is a Ben and Jerry snob. So I can't wait. She would I know can't better. wait. I hope that I have the privilege of taking her through the factory tour. Yeah, do you have to ask her? And honestly, I, I don't know the names of them. I've had Ben and Jerry's. I just don't know their names. Oh, wait, is there uh, what's the Grateful Dead one? She's a dead one, right? Cherry Garcia. That's it. I've had that's, that one. Yeah, that's Jen's favorite. It's uh, it's go. a go-to. It's I've solid. had them. I just didn't know the names. Yeah, for sure. Them. Okay. I mean, yeah. they're respectable yeah. flavors. I'm, I'm a not, firm believer you can judge people based off of that answer alone. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, I'm not like Eric Mitchell who said he didn't know any of them. So. Yeah. What the hell was that, Eric? God. I've never had it. I'm like, I've had it. I just what had does it. that mean if you've like, oh, I've it. never gotten Ben and Jerry's? Like, why are you living? Like, figure <laughs> that out, Eric. Like, it's one thing to be like, oh, man, lactose intolerance blows me out. Tough. Okay, I get it, but like, dude, Eric, like, yeah, like it was from another planet. Like, where have you been? Um, okay, so I like to get those two out, and then Steve uh, Leo, like, you're you're on the Italian side. Give me your favorite Italian dish. Uh, yeah, I want it. I want it. Let's go. I had to pick one that I would eat. Probably like veal scalpini. Oof, this is a solid choice. That's one of my favorites. That's I nice. Veal. That's um, nice. My daughter's. Wife doesn't like it, but I love it. Oh, it feels delicious. Yeah. 
Um, what you as a as a relative traveler, a guy who fl- has flown around the country a lot, give me your favorite city. Burlington's up there. I love I love visiting you there. Um, That's just because of the beer. No, it's yeah, but I just love you know I me. Mean, I'm a small. I like small stuff. I don't it's like true. anything crazy. It's true. Uh, you know, my, my plan is my wife knows it to retire into Maine or Vermont or New Hampshire. I'm not a heat guy. Uh, I think what I say I really liked lately. I, you know, I liked, uh, I like Colorado. Definitely like Denver. That's been cool. Nice. Yeah. Cool, different vibe out there. And, uh, you know, the air for first time I went a couple years ago, uh, Joe Verga and I went and we were, we had headaches for two straight days because of the, uh, elevation it was unbelievable you know they talk about it but man it hit us hard you know we had one beer the one night we were both ready to pass out (laughs) (laughs) it's on the bucket list they fly direct now from burlington so another perk of vermont if you want to fly direct to denver they got it there you go yeah it's frontier but it's beautiful i mean absolutely gorgeous the mountains it just the driving is amazing so those two are probably my my favorites of, of late nice um have you had any good new beers you want to share on the podcast I do like, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Industrial Arts out of Cornwall. I think it's Cornwall, New York or Cornwall, something in New York. Um, Wrench beer, it's called. Really okay. good. Really right. good IPA. Smooth. It's got a little fruity, a little hoppiness to it. Um, yeah, that's been the one I've been kind of hooked on lately. That and we have a place in Hackettstown, New Jersey called Zigmeister, which next time we come down and bring you out there, they have some really good beers. Nice. Nice. I know as a fellow IPA drinker, I, I figured you'd have a good, good answer for that. Um, and my last question for you in the speed round, when you start a podcast, can I be one of your first guests? If sure. not your first guest? Like well, I, I think, I think, it, I think it has to wait. It has to be. I, uh, yeah. I just was giving one of my buddies, uh, John Woljo, who's been on this podcast like a handful of times. I was giving him shit because his gym does a podcast each month. It's like a newsletter almost. Yeah. And I was like, listen, the three things podcast asexually birth your podcast. And I don't know why I haven't been a guest. And he's like trying to justify that it's just for members. Like, I don't care if it's just for your members. Like, why the hell haven't I been on? I've had half your staff on this podcast. Why am I not on your podcast? So uh, I just wanted to make sure it was publicly known that if you start a podcast, they should expect me on that podcast. All right, it's in. If if I can figure this thing out. So, you know, Casey, before this call was helping me, I'm thinking about trying to dive into the podcast world but yeah we'll, we'll make it a date you will be the first official guest on well, whatever, whatever i call the stupid thing we'll figure i it mean out. i started so this is and this is a, i mean if you've ever listened to the first like nine episodes of the three things podcast they're hot garbage because i did it all from one take on zoom i basically talked the intro in zoom it was through like really shitty like headphone microphones and I recorded like three of them with people. And I was like, hey, I'm doing a podcast right now. I don't have it up yet, but I want to make sure I have content. I just recorded them and people had no idea what I was doing. So when push comes to shove, Steve, just do it and figure it out later. Yeah, whatever. Think if you make it, right? It's going to be the best. That'll be awesome. Yeah, cool, man. Awesome. Uh, Steve Leo, thank you so much for making time, taking time and coming on the three things. Thank you for having me, man. And good luck with all your snow up there.